This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A athletics. Welcome to another edition of Wildcat Country. Eric Cohen and Shane Dale on what has been a victorious weekend. Now, last weekend, I was critical of the women's basketball team for losing an inexcusable game to Washington State. Boy, was I wrong. Adia, I'm sorry. Coach, I'm sorry. Uh, mm-hmm. I will never doubt you again. I told you, <laughs> you deserved a lifetime contract. And Shane, I still stand by it. After what we saw this weekend, that shows you why Adia deserves a lifetime contract. Well, you, you picked them. To, you picked the men and women to collectively go two and two, but you picked the I women did. to go zero oh and two. I, I said three and one, so I, I, I didn't give the women enough credit. But yeah, um, and we'll definitely talk about the men as well. But the you know the women deserve a lot of the accolades this week. You know, uh, two very gritty wins uh, at LA schools, which are very, both very tough. UCLA was ranked, but USC was actually higher in net. So they're both very tough games, uh, overtime in UCLA, double overtime against USC. And, you know, they're finding ways to win. I think good teams find ways to win close games. So, you know, maybe it's just a thing this year where Washington state beats, beats Arizona at home, regardless of the sport, because that seems to be the theme of the year. Terrible. But Terrible uh, yeah, but no, a great couple of wins. So they got a big game. I know we're going to talk about it all. They got a huge game against Stanford coming up uh, this week. Uh, looks like they got some Adia Barnes bobbleheads coming out. Unfortunately, not with with the with the double bird. I was really hoping for that. Yeah, right, but, right. Uh, yeah, but you know, we can maybe we'll make a custom one one day. But now the women were great. The men were fantastic as well. And it is a victorious week. And and uh, you know, you never get too high with the highs or too low with the lows. But we'll enjoy it for what it is. Well said, and let's get right into it. Well, first of all, our, our guest on the show, I want to tease this, the voice of Pac-12 Networks, the lead play-by-play voice, Ted Robinson, who we had on about a year ago, joins us once again. Uh, really looking forward to catching up with him. Uh, great insight that we got last time, and we will talk about the famous Bryce Drew shot and Ted on the call. I mean, that's a call in college basketball history that's like a top 10 call, I would think. Just for the the Cinderella team beating, you know, a big team. And so Ted's the voice of that. And now he's calling Arizona games on the regular football and men's basketball. So looking forward to catching up with him. But first, it is time for our buy or sell segment, which is presented by our friends at Ice Shaker. I brought it in too soon this time. Yeah. Yes, just a little bit. Uh, check them out, iceshaker.com. You can get one of those beauties that Shane has or one of these right behind me here. Uh, these half-gallon jugs, if you're watching on the uh, YouTube stream, check them out, iceshaker.com, or buy them on fanatics.com. And if you go to iceshaker.com and you want to get one of these uh, wonderful things, uh, use promo code Wildcat Country, capital W, capital C, for $5 off. All right, Shane, number one, let's get right to it. Oh, wait, you're going to be surprised. Shockingly, I was wrong again. The women's basketball team is for real and is built to make another deep run in March by herself. Well, I I was right there with you, Eric. I mean, I I, I thought that you know my expectations for them were too high this season, and they probably still were. And you know, the the games against UCLA and USC could have gone either way, but I think that, like I said, good teams find ways to win close games. Yeah. And they found a way to to close. So uh, I'll 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 buy whichever would 
what was the question? You, we'll, we'll buy whichever one is, is more favorable to Arizona. What was the, the buy or sell question again? Well, the, the, the buy or sell question was that Arizona is for real. Oh, yeah. It's built to make another deep run in March. I, I I will buy that they can get there. I think they're they're starting to come together a little bit. Um, it, it It's funny. We talked to Adia Barnes about win probability, and, he, and yeah. she didn't know yeah. that, that Arizona was like an, a 0.3% had a 0.3% chance, according to our friends at ESPN, mm-hmm. uh, to beat Oregon State after uh, they fell behind late in that game. They had a slightly better 0.7% chance, I think, oh, to beat cool. uh, UCLA when they were behind 11 in, in that one. Uh, and then the game against USC could it went back and forth. They they let a late lead slip. But they I saw the end of that one. That was fun. That was a yeah. fun finish. Maya Naji, big time. Maya Naji made time. a big shot. Yeah. Uh, Jade Laville, the, the issue transfer, made some Clutch. big shots. So yeah. it, it is still a little bit by committee, like who's going to take over late. Although Kate Reese had the game of her life against USC and put in some big minutes, had a big three-pointer. Uh, late in that game, yes, so, you did. Uh, it, it, the team is starting to gel. I think late, it, it's they still have a long way to go. But I, it, the nice thing, Eric, and we talk a lot about the importance of getting a top four seed in the tournament if you're on the women's side because you get to host two games, uh, up mm-hmm. to two games in the tournament. Uh, Arizona's right back in the mix for that. That they were looking at probably a five, probably six. They're six ish. I, I think going into the uh, their last set of games. Now I, th- I think that they're right there. And unlike on the men's side, there are plenty of chances. There's opportunity after opportunity for great win because seven of the top 28 teams in the women's side and net in the, the net rankings are in the Pac-12, a full quarter of the top 28. Crazy, isn't so it? So you got Stanford coming up on Thursday. They're going to do a red out there. Hopefully they get a really good attendance for that game, even better than they have been. Uh, Colorado and Utah, which they both lost to in close games, they come to McHale. So they're going to have plenty of opportunities for great wins. And even, you know, they finish the regular season, say, 3-3, three and three, and they win a couple of tournament games. That could be enough to get them in the top four. So I, we'll see if they keep momentum going. They haven't been as dominant as ho- at home as I thought they would be, but they've been better on the road. So it kind of evens out. But hopefully that home court advantage will be big against Stanford this week. Okay. Uh, I'm going to buy and sell part of this question. Uh, buy that they're for real, uh, that I uh, undersold them last week. I'm going to sell because I don't still seeing them without a, a true – number one scorer making a deep run in March. That's fair. And I, I'd say deep run, elite eight or better. I think Sweet 16 is probably the ceiling for this team as I see it. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, once again, would love to uh, eat crow figuratively on this one. We'll see. Okay, switching to the men's side, Shane. Uh, pretty easy one. Number two, Azulis Tabellis should be a consensus first-team All-American and serious Wooden Award contender for best player in the country by herself. Uh, I'll I'll buy as long as he keeps producing like he has uh, the oh, last I mean, couple. I mean, I mean, I don't expect a forty point game every night. Don't get me wrong. And he might have put up another win against Oregon State if he needed to. You know, he had what he could sixteen, yeah. seventeen at halftime, so he was on his way. Then, of course, they didn't he didn't have to play much in the second half, which was nice. So, yeah, he's right up there. Uh, there was this metric I saw uh, earlier. I think it was at, uh, at EvanMaya dot com that had him that had Tubelis as the, the number two most important player in terms of efficiency related to his I don't remember all the metrics, all the... the, the as yeah, Casey, it's him and Zach Eady from Purdue. Yeah, I mean, as, he, Casey, as Casey yeah. Jacobson would say, all the nerd talk. But yeah, he, he's right up there as far as like being like one of the most important players on his team. Yeah, and, and I think that's it. So Tubelis, to me, is absolutely consensus All-American. I mean, Eady right now with Purdue, like Purdue is not very good without having a seven-foot-four guy or whatever he is. 
Arizona, even without Tabellis, is still like a, a decent club, in my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong about Purdue, but uh, I mean, I think he's legitimately number two in the country as far as, as you know, being the best player uh, for the Wooden Award. And I think he is right now, it should be an easy choice for Pac-12 Player of the Year uh, if and when or when that announced. Pac-12 Player of the Year, absolutely. And then All-American, it, it's it's funny because it's an it's supposed to be an individual award, but if Arizona keeps winning the way they have, he'll be he'll be a second teamer for sure he should be a first teamer oh there's no there's no listen if he's pac-12 player of the year you cannot make him a second teamer you just can't yeah but a lot of people are going to look down on the pac-12 because it's not just not a very good conference and that and and a lot of people a lot of these voters go to bed early and they don't see him play and it's it's ridiculous i'm just saying he should be the different the question is should he be yes will he be we'll see i'm not so sure yes yes Okay. okay Uh, number three, this year's Arizona team based on results thus far does not appear to be that far off from last year's version. Okay. I'm going to say this before uh, I give the caveat here. Yes. We know last year's version had Ben Mather in a lottery pick, uh, Dale and Terry, a first round pick and Coloco almost a first round pick. But Shane, this year's team has beaten five ranked teams when they were ranked versus three last year at this point. What do you think by yourself? Yeah. So, uh, are you familiar with the site, uh, barttorvik.com? It's another like Ken Palm sort of site. BartTorvik.com. No, I don't know who Bart is. So, no. so Jeff, Jeff Borzello at ESPN referenced uh, this site when referring okay. to Arizona and, mm-hmm. and what they've done uh, this year. So uh, it's very similar to Ken Palm in terms of offensive, defensive efficiency. But if you, th- my point is, you look at that, as of now, Arizona is 10th in offensive efficiency and 32nd in defensive efficiency, according to the site, BartTorvik.com, which is very similar to where Ken Palm has them. Okay. Last year's team finished seventh on offense and 35th on defense, almost identical. Yeah. So they're, they're statistically, they are very similar to where they were last year. And that is why I think that Tommy Lloyd's coaching job this year has been even more remarkable. You're right. Yes. He still has two holdovers from the Sean Miller era to Bellis and Kirk Creasa. Those are important guys, but this is more, his team than it was last year. And he's dealing with less talent. I mean, look, if this team stayed together for a couple more years, then maybe they'd be on the same level talent wise, but they're not there yet. Kylan Boswell is on his way up. Henry Vasar, we hope will develop into a, a starter eventually. He, he still could, but he's not getting any minutes right now. Uh, but he, they kind of had to piece things together with, with some transfers and, and with Boswell, fortunately reclassifying uh and, and developing Umar Abalo, you know, I, 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 as much as I admire what Sean Miller did in Tucson, I can't imagine a guy like Umar Abalo would have improved in year to year under his leadership, like the way he does with Tommy Lloyd. So, uh, there, they look similar. That they, they are in in Opella Larson. I think, I think even though he's coming off the bench again, he's a little bit better. He's a little more aggressive than he was last year. Kirk Kreese has been on fire, and that's going to be huge come tournament time. Whether he's He's shooting well or 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 not hitting anything like like uh, he did. Yeah, you go as Kurt. Listen, I looked this up, Shane. When when Arizona loses this year, and their three losses, Kurt Crease is shooting like eighteen percent. Yeah, on the year he's averaging like thirty five percent. Yeah, so it's it same thing simple. last year. Same thing last but, year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can literally look at, and we'll say this every week, but I I finally did the math. Like, if Arizona's going to win games, it's because Kurt Crease is you know, shooting normally. If he shoots terribly, Arizona's not winning against a great team. I'll say that. I think Kirk Carissa is the biggest key to their yeah, tournament hopes is. or to their final four hopes. You know, as great as Tubelis and, and Balo have been, and I'm sure will continue to be, 
uh, Carissa in his decision-making, his shot ability, his ability to limit turnovers, and to frankly, to behave himself and not pick up stupid fouls like he, like the technical he did against Tennessee. That's going to be the key, especially because he's fearless. He's crazy. He's yeah. fearless. And he's not afraid to put up big shots. I don't know about anyone else on this team if I would say that they're fearless. Like, do they... Do they really want the ball in those pressure situations? Maybe, but I know Kirk Carissa does, for better or worse. And I think Arizona's going to go as far as Kirk Carissa takes them. I would probably agree with that. Now, let me also say this. I'm just going to throw this in there, Shane. If and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about this over and over. If if Tabellus comes back next year, Balo will probably be back. Arizona is the consensus number one team to start next year, in my nationally, opinion. nationally. I don't know enough about the rosters and the other team to. to, to I don't say even. That. Na- I don't need to see anything else. Well, I'm telling you that they are number four this year. Mm-hmm. Now imagine if you get pretty much the same team come back without Ramey and uh, and Cedric Henderson, and this, you can this, add wait, a couple. Does Henderson have another year of eligibility though? I, because I'd have to double check. I don't I, know because with the COVID year, I think this is his fourth year. We we should okay. check on that. But yeah, I know Ramey is definitely gone. Right, but I'm just telling. And the final four is here. I mean, next year the stars align. Yeah. Uh, if if Tubelis comes back, now we'll, it's a long way to go. We'll get there and we'll talk about that closer too. All right, Shane, this is a bonus question. I like to throw this in here. If you're, I think you tweeted something about this the other day. If you're a ranked team, is uh, there is never an excuse for rushing the court after a big win by yourself? I'll sell that just because. <sighs> I would say more like if you're like a blue blood team, you know, like if you're, if so you're, if you, what's okay. that? No, I was going to okay. say, so if you're Arizona, is yeah. there any circumstance that Arizona fans should have a uh, reason to rush the floor? I don't think so. I don't think so. And and so, and that was in if reference the, to, to, okay. to Indy in you're referencing Indiana rushing the floor against yeah. Purdue. Yeah. Indiana was, I don't know. They still are. They were at one time of blue blood. And it would it would have been embarrassing. Like Bobby Knight would have been embarrassed to watch this team or watch the fans rush the court after they beat they win a big game. So uh a top twenty-five, like there are like certain teams like may, you know, pop it or out of the top twenty-five. And so I, I think it's okay from that perspective. Uh but if you're and I know it, it people will agree or disagree on what a blue blood program is, but if you're you know consistently a top program. Uh, you know, a team that you it's going to be in a tournament every year and could potentially make a final four run most years, then I think it's a little embarrassing to have your fans rush the court. I'm, I was a little surprised. I mean, not surprised, but maybe a little, I, I, I scoffed a little bit at Indiana fans rushing the court. Okay. I, I have no problem with Indiana fans rushing the court. I have no problem with Arizona fans rushing the court under a couple circumstances. All right. Uh, number one, you're unranked and you beat a top 10 team. Okay. But if you are ranked and you are, let's say, outside the top 15 and you beat a top, let's say, three team, that's really good. I'm okay with it. I don't know. I, I, I just think about, well, and I can't think of an example like that off the top of my head, but I think back to Arizona and Florida in 2012. I mean, both teams were ranked in the top 10, so it's a little different. As exciting, as crazy a comeback as that was, and as electric as the, the atmosphere was, I was there. It was great. My favorite memory, Mikhail, of all time. Fans still didn't rush the court. Because we don't do it in Arizona. We expect to win those. Well, you games. act like you've been there before. Right. Right. It's like it's like rushing the field. You know, when you think back to the, the Arizona-Oregon football game in 2009, that's the no. ultimate. I mean, uh, you know, I was talking to a player. Uh, I think it was Rick Elmore about that uh, the other month. And I was like, what were you thinking? Like, you're standing on the sidelines and you're watching these like, stay away. What are they doing? What are they doing? Yeah. 
I mean, that was the ultimate in stupidity well, for fans rushing the field. I wouldn't have had a problem with fans rushing the field, but when Oregon's got the ball down a score, what what do you Jerm, I mean, Jeremiah Masoli and Michael James and Garrett Blunt. I mean, Oregon was gonna go down and score a touchdown. Right. So it's like what 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 were you thinking? Like if Arizona's got the ball and all they have to do is take a couple knees, then you can gather around and and rush the field. But yeah. I, it's a different. Uh, we're talking Arizona football. It, it's a very different situation with them. I mean, they they we Arizona foot. We didn't personally, but Arizona football fans rushed the field after beating a three win ASU team because it was the it was a big win for the program. Maybe sign, signifying a turn in 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 momentum for the program and, and in the rivalry. It was the first time in six years Arizona had won that game. So I didn't mind that at all. Uh, but. You know, the football program is a little bit on a different level than the basketball program. And I don't think I don't think there's any circumstance unless Arizona gets to the point where they're just an average program, which I hope we never get to. Yeah. Uh, as long as Arizona is considered a top 25 team and a destination school, I don't think there's any circumstance in which I want to see fans rush the court at McHale Center. OK, fair enough. Uh, number four, Shane. Uh, I know Arizona hired a couple of coaches in the last uh, week. Dwayne Aquina being one of them. He was the architect uh, of the Desert Swarm defense returning to uh, so Aquina returning to Arizona's coaching staff very well might be the most impactful move Jed Fish has made this offseason by herself. Uh, you're including uh, player additions. Um, yeah, yeah, this in general. Potentially, yeah. I, you know, I, I remember we we talked about or I mentioned the possibility of. I don't think that. I didn't think Jed Fish was going to fire Johnny Nansen after one year, but I could see the possibility of bringing on like a defensive analyst or someone there to sort of act as a second defensive coordinator or just be another voice in the room. So in that way, I think Dwayne Aquino may be that guy, the guy who's been there before. I don't think it's so much like a legacy hire sort of situation. So uh, it, it, it's, it could be impactful. I hope that it is. Uh, I the jury's still out on Johnny Nansen. Um, but I, I like the name. It's going to get fans excited. And I, and I think that that it was another example of why it was a good a good thing that Jed Fish has more room to spend money on assistant coaches than his predecessor did, because that's how you're going to to build build quality rosters and build continue to build top 40 recruiting classes. Arizona was barely in the top 40, I think, this past year, which is fine. It's where they should be. And if you're going to keep doing that, you have to have guys like Aquino on staff. Uh, I like the Aquina move, uh, not, uh, but I'm going to sell this one. I think Justin Flo uh, and potentially Bill Norton uh, transfers from Oregon and Georgia, respectively, on the defense. I think that is more important. Uh, I mean, Aquina is nice. He's a he's a he's a apparently a, a very, he's a very good defensive mind. Uh, but I, I I'm just not putting that uh, at the level at, at this point of getting some of these impact transfers. Uh, bonus question here, Shane. So Pro Football Focus put out a tweet last week of the uh, top 10 returning wide receivers in college football for the 2023 season. Number eight on this list was Dorian Singer. Number whatever on this list, not in the top 10, was Jacob Cowing. Uh, Singer over Cowing, buy or sell, Shane? Trying to not be biased because obviously Cowing is back and Singer's not. And Singer was a big loss. There's no way around it. I I would go with I would lean Cowing. Even I'm trying to be objective about it. I would lean Jacob Cowing. I think he's he's a yard a, a yards after catch monster. He's maybe not quite as exciting. Doesn't make as quite as many flashy catches, even though he can make some. But you know, I think Singer probably made more of them. I know he had slightly more yards this past season, but I I think Cowing Cowing's the guy I'd rather have had back between the two. So 
Absolutely. I'm not big on pro football focus to begin with, just because I feel like a lot, like, I know they don't do this, but I feel like they could just like make up numbers and put it in and people say, Oh, that sounds good. You know, these, these grading systems that they have. Uh, but, and while singer is great, he's worthy of being the top 10. I, I, I would put cowing right there with him. So I, I would still rather have cowing if I had to make a choice. And, and, and fortunately that that's what we have. So the reason singer got on this is because of two reasons. Number one, he ended up leading the pac 12 and receiving because he had a huge game against ASU. Uh, and Cowling at the end of the year kind of tailed off where his singer stepped up because teams were focusing more on on Cowling. Yeah. So um, I, I still think I would rather have Cowling. Yeah. Um, I think Singer is a, a very good football player. I think he hopefully will play at the next level. Uh, I think this list was mistaken. I'm just going to say that. All right, coming up next, let's talk to Ted Robinson, get his thoughts on what he saw at the McHale Center on uh, on Saturday and much more here on Wildcat Country. Scooby, we sent you an ice shaker. Um, they are a sponsor, uh, courtesy of our buddy Chris Gronkowski. Uh, you have it Bro, right there. I love my ice shaker. Fun fact, when I was I trained with Glenn Gronkowski, everybody, when we were trained together, people thought I was I was the other Gronk brother, so it was kind of funny. But yes, I love my ice shaker. It is very good. I use it every day. I am a, I am a veteran to the ice shaker game, by the way. What's up, Wildcat Country? Chris Gronkowski here. Use coupon code WildcatCountry at iShaker.com. All right, Shane, we brought this up last year when we had this distinguished guest on the show, but I remember exactly where I was in 1998, in March of 1998. It's just one of those moments in life that I remember I was sitting as a freshman in high school and I was sitting in my gym, you know, in the gymnasium with like a group of people around a tube TV watching Valparaiso and Ole Miss. And it was the great call of Ted Robinson, which is still going to be played forever. And now he's the voice of the Pac-12 Network. We had him on last February, and now we have him on again this February because we heard him call the game on Saturday at McHale Center against Oregon State. So, Ted, uh, welcome back to Wildcat Country. Great to have you on. I, my first question is, you know, you, you got a chance to broadcast kind of a dud game on Saturday, but we loved it because Arizona was great. Just your <laughs> thoughts on what you've seen, the progression from this Arizona team thus far this season sure quick quick aside Eric Jane 25 years next month can you believe wow. that wow that's that right. right I didn't think of that I didn't think and, of that and I talked about it during the game Saturday because Courtney Ramey made this fabulous overhand probably 70 foot pass down the court to Tubelis. yep and I don't know enough about his background I'll need to find out but uh, people forget the, the Bryce Drew play for Valparaiso. The inbounds pass was thrown by a guy named Jamie Sykes, who was a center fielder on Valpo's baseball team. Mm -hmm. And they purposely had him there because of his arm. And I've seen other instances of similar without the fanfare of the Valpo shot in college basketball, where they have somebody who was either a quarterback or a shortstop with that kind of arm. And Courtney Rainey looked like that kind of guy with that pass. Saturday. That was terrific. So to your specific question, since I first saw the Cats, which was the uh, conference opener at Utah when they, they got kind of battered, um, two things have happened that give would give me belief they have a much better shot in March. One is they're starting and Rainey's the best at this. They're starting to hit the three. And they, they I just don't believe you can win at the highest level in college basketball without having at least one person on your team that the other team has to guard, that they prep and they say, you can't let that guy get shots. And Ramey looks to me to be the best cat uh, at that. And he's playing that way right now. Second point is they're playing defense. And 
they didn't defend very well to me early in the year. Carissa didn't defend very much at all. He, he was pushed all, well, he was beaten pretty badly by Wooster in that first game at Utah. And I actually mentioned it the other night. He was really, he was out there. It looked like he was really giving a, just a better defensive effort and not just looking, quite frankly, to flop <laughs> and to get brushed against and hit the deck. Um, and that's what the Cats need. I don't know. You guys would have a better clue maybe than I. When you play somebody really good in March, who's your shutdown defender? I don't know who that person is yet. I may ask Tommy that Thursday when I see him in Berkeley. That, to me, would be the last question about the defense. But those two things, shoot the three better, defend better, are really what I notice now in early February. Yeah, Ted, like Eric said, thanks again for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, Speaking of Tommy Lloyd, I I feel like he's done a better coaching job this season than last year. Last year was great, but he's got, I think, less – overall talent to work with this year. No, no disrespect to Ramey or or the other guys they added to the roster, but I just think there's there was a drop-off. And it's more of his guys. It's less of Sean Miller's guys, even though obviously Tubelis and Creaser are still there. What are your thoughts on the job Tommy Lloyd's done with this year's team compared to last year's? Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I mean, the talent level, and again, I kind of touched on this, and I don't mean to denigrate at all, because it's not what I mean, UCLA or Mick Cronin. Both teams lost three pretty good players off last year's team. Uh, UCLA's three guys are in the G League. One of them was a first-round pick, Watson, but he didn't play very much for them, even though he was a first-round pick. Kind of like Terry was a first-round pick. He wasn't necessarily a frontline guy, but he was a first-round pick. But when you lose a, a lottery pick who's got a chance to be rookie of the year, and then you lose a great rim protector in Coloco, the substantial talent Arizona lost is is evident. And yeah, Tommy Lloyd's done a magnificent job. And and what you, I guess what we all like to see are people get better. And, you know, you're seeing Tubelis take a step forward from last year. Larson has taken a step forward now, his second year playing in that system. And and then, you know, obviously they've added the new bodies in in Ramey and, uh, and Henderson, but the obvious one is Balo. And now you take a guy that was, you know, spent three years, right? This is his fourth year in college, if I'm doing my math right, right? Two years at Gonzaga, two years at the U of A. And now in his fourth year, he's made that huge jump up. And that's, to me, that's what this has always been about. It's not the one and dones. It's take guys and make them better. And so Tommy Lloyd can stand and kind of puff his chest out and say with Balo, I've done that. It seems like, like you know, and we are always get ahead of ourselves uh, as Arizona fans already thinking about March, even in early February, like we are. But it it, it seems like it, it, in the Pac-12, at least on the men's side, it's a lot different from the women's side, where you just kind of have to avoid those landmines in order to uh, stay afront, stay afloat, and try to maybe get that one or two seed. Uh, do you think? What do you think the rest of the month might look like for Arizona going into that la- those last two big games at U- USC and UCLA? Yeah. What do they need to do to really stay focused? And because I feel like this team maybe gets a little bored sometimes, a little and a little ahead of themselves, just to stay focused and make sure they take care of business until they reach that yeah. point. Yeah, that's interesting question because I I thought that was another good point Tommy Lloyd did, and I, I uh, you know I, I asked one of those delicate questions to him early in the day Saturday because I was there for the Washington State game and were you fearful going into the Oregon State game? You're coming off you know you you punched Oregon in the mouth and knocked them out pretty quickly. Are you worried about having everybody's attention? And he Tommy kind of dismissed that. Um, and they played that way. Good on them. The guys played that way. There was no taking Oregon State for granted. So what where that goes is that there'll be a couple of games 
down the stretch where the, the Cats are going to have a big bullseye on their back because other teams are going to look for that quad one win they need. USC, right. I you know, it's the last weekend. USC may be in a better spot by then. But if that game were tomorrow, USC would need that win to yeah. bolster their chance to get in. So that's what the Cats are. And UCLA is the same. They're, they're the quad one target now that other teams need. So that's the first thing. You know, the this weekend coming up for the Cats – should be one that again, if they just you know don't fall asleep, they should have its most everybody else has come in and swept. Now Stanford's playing a little bit better, but still a bunch of other schools have come in here and swept that trip. Um, that's what the Cats have to believe they're going to do. Um, and then what, uh, the, I'm not sure which weekend is the other ASU game. That's the other one that's going to be the bullseye. It's the 25th, yeah. February 25th. Yeah. 25th. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's going to be the bullseye game for them too. And obviously the way the first one ended, where ASU felt pretty good, and then they just didn't play very well in the last five minutes and Arizona took the game from them. So um, that that's down the stretch. That's what I would look for. And I, and I think Shane, your point's obvious. Look, you want to, you want to get the best possible seed because uh, you know, eventually you're going to bump. And they did last year. I, I heard somebody the other night, uh, people in Tucson, uh, uh, somebody at a restaurant lamenting, uh, you know, we, we only got to the 16 last year in Houston handle it. Houston was really good, <laughs> really good. Uh, Underseated. So, yeah, exactly. It's just, you know, at some point you're going to hit that, whichever. To me, the round doesn't matter as much as the seeding because that will help you. At least it betters the chance you're not going to face that kind of game until later on. That's where I'm going with that. So we all know. And and look, the last point to all that is um, you, we're going to find out how everybody else looks at our conference because right now I, I've said this, we are what the Big Ten just was in football season is what we are in ba- men's basketball right now. We have two really good teams. And everybody else is kind of, you know, and we all think we all thought Oregon probably not going to happen. Now we think USC is going to be on the rise with uh, with Iwachukwu playing and they could be the third. That'd be my best guess right now. But I don't think the conference has a great national rep. That's my sense. And I think we're going to struggle to get beyond three in the tournament. I hope I'm wrong, but I think that that's today. That's how I feel. Uh, your your uh, temporary colleague at times, Bill Walton, would disagree with you. He'd probably say like yeah. six teams make it. Four, in no, fourteen out of twelve are going to. Are yeah, going yeah, to exactly. Yeah. No, that's we, the big. That's the Big Ten. And the Big Twelve. They get. They yeah. get. They get fifteen teams each. We know that. <laughs> and we had we had Bill on the other week, and it was it was Good. exactly as he. Oh, it was great. Good. I mean, he was exactly as you would have imagined. I just thought of this, Ted. Do we have a Ted Robinson U of A jinx here? You called the Utah game. You called the uh, Washington State game. And in football, you and Yogi got a, I believe, got a stretch of games where Arizona, it was brutal. I think you had Oregon, Washington, and yes. another one, and USC in a row. Man, yeah. you they, they give you, you know, we bad did, luck for you. Yeah, we did four games. Then they win. We did four Arizona games. Colo- did you do Colorado? Yes. Okay, so they all right, yeah. so got that. I was just we had I was we like, had a win. I know that. Okay, I was like, good. Thank Jed you. still okay. talks to me. I know that. Uh, we'll get to that <laughs> later on because I want to ask you about that. A guy, you had a great call at the end of the first half on Saturday. Kylan Boswell, who was a guy that I didn't really buy into for a while. I was like, oh, yeah, he's going to be good, but not there yet. I mean, he's gotten great. And that shot he hit at the end of the first half, just your thoughts on what you've seen from him over the last, you know, with the games we've called this season. That's a great question because that is the one player, you know, I've seen Arizona enough now that you, know, you go to shoot arounds and Tommy's heard all the questions. So you try not to 
and I'm trying not to bother him with repeats or big picture stuff. I said, I just have one person I want to ask you. Talk to me about Boswell. Tell me about, about him. And he just said, you know, it's gotten to the point now where, and I'm going to paraphrase, but he's treating him now. He's pulled the kid gloves off, so to speak. At the beginning of the year, you know, he's hurt. He's coming away, you know, moving across the country, young guy, et cetera. Now he's starting to talk about, okay, here's where we're going to need to get better. And I think that's an important player because with all, you know, the foreign uh, pl- the international players that have come in that are going to make their way at some point in and out of here. You want to make sure you keep that pipeline in to get high school guys. Arizona should be what, quite bluntly, Arizona should be what UCLA is. UCLA is the only program in Power 5 basketball with no transfers. Arizona wow. should be that way. And that's, I mean, I'm saying that's the quality of the program. Yeah. You should be such an attraction to any legitimate high school kid prep school kid that you don't need to go play the portal and 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 i don't mean that as an extreme because sure i used to talk to sean about this his last couple of years and sean was right he said the portal can't be your crutch the portal has to be i go find a guy to fill one particular spot and and sean liked and i thought he was the first coach i can recall telling me what i thought the portal should be is you want to recruit a guy that's transferring i mean the portal you want a guy that's transferring up because that's the guy that's mature, one, and two, he's got something to prove. Because he's been playing in the Ivy League, for example. And he wants to prove that I could have played at this level. And and uh, you had the kid, I forget his name, the Boston College forward a few years back that was like Ryan that. Anderson. Ryan, Ryan Anderson, Anderson, exactly, yep. Yep. who was pretty good. And, and th- those are the kind of guys that, to me... Arizona doesn't need to go three, four transfers a year and remake their team like a lot of like ASU is doing it. Um, Washington's doing it. You know, other schools in the conference are. Um, the Cats don't need to be that way. But Boswell is the other kid. And I, I saw his parents the other day. I was going to go meet them and I didn't. But I, I empathize a little bit because I was 17, <laughs> actually a young 17 when I went to college a long, mm-hmm. long time ago. And it was yeah, it was tough, but it forced you because you had, didn't have any option to grow up fast. And that's when I've looked at Boswell this year, I've said, okay, he's a little, he's an older 17, but he's still 17, but he's coming to a national program here yeah. with you know eyeballs on every game. And man, he has to grow up fast. And when I look at him now compared to when I first saw him two months ago, I see the growth. You know, he hit that shot from the parking lot. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. He had a great call on that. It was cool to hear you and Matt. And we have Matt come on the show uh, fairly often with us. So it's great to it was great to hear you guys together. So I love that. All right. Th- you, we talked about this off the air before the show. You said, you know, you love going to McHale Center. Where does McHale rank, if you can give us, among your favorite Pac-12 basketball venues? Is it number one? Oh, God. <laughs> In a runaway. It's, it's awesome. I mean, McHale is... I mean, I've, I've said it a few times when I've been in. I, have I been there three times? Either three or four this year. And say this is what, I mean, young guy. It's it's to the conversation we were having before we started about UCLA and Arizona, how they need to play twice next year. I mean, there shouldn't even be a question. Don't yeah. start down any roads about fairness and equity. I don't care. Next year, they need to play twice. And I said, both the players on both of the teams want to play twice. That's why they went to these schools to play those kinds of games. And and every, not every, but most visiting coaches, when I go to their practices or shoot arounds at McHale, most hit their team with a similar theme of embrace this atmosphere. 
because you know what's left unsaid is we don't see it very many other places. <laughs> they don't say that, but I'll say it. It's true. And you know, in our league, there can be some others. You know, Washington's a great basketball setting when they're winning and the people there are engaged. Oregon has been the same, especially on weekends. They have a trouble on weeknights because so many of their fans come from Portland. It's a good distance. But their Saturday games, usually very good crowds. Um, kind of, you know, it's kind of slipping beyond that, right? We don't have too many. Utah was great when Larry Kristoviak had it going well. And if if um, Craig Smith keeps progressing, they'll be back. That'll be a terrific venue. But we don't have many of them is what I'm saying. And the other thing that Matt said the other night during our telecast that is so right is not only are the Mikhail, it's sold out. Not only is the zoo great, the fans are engaged, but they're smart. They know basketball and that is something i i and i'm a new york kid and i've spent i spent time in both the big east and the big 10 so yeah i appreciate the fact that people in tucson and the arizona crowd knows the game and you know it's something sean miller mentioned years ago is that a lot of venues a lot of college basketball arenas they'll wait for the the home team to do something positive before they'll start cheering and mikhail the fans know when they need to pick me up. Like I yes. remember even against Oregon, when they, when Oregon started to creep back into it in the second half crowd got a little louder then. And so I think that's maybe, is that sort of the intelligence you're referring to? Yeah, that's a great call. That's a great point. Exactly that knowing, okay, now it's our turn to help. And yeah. you know, we'll be a 15,000 strong cheer squad right now. And look, that's the other, I mean, I'm just going to get basic here and blunt, but it's true. The stands are full every game. And it's the greatest advertisement for Pac-12 basketball. And as as wonderful as UCLA's program is and the history of Pauley Pavilion, you know, there are still games there where you'll see empty seats down near the court. And it's not a great advertisement for the product around the nation. And I, it, this is one of the sore spots I've had in 35 or whatever years around this conference is in basketball is not doing enough in each individual school to sell the tickets because that's the the image we send around the country, right? We fight enough being out in this part of the country anyway, but then when you, people turn on games and they see no one there, how am I supposed to believe this product is really that good? Yeah. Yeah. Mikhail's doing great. Not only on the men's side, but on the women's side as well, which is yes. great to see. Yep. Uh, let me ask you, Ted, because I feel like everyone, every team in the NCAA, when it comes to the NCAA tournament, especially needs someone who's willing to take over late. And as great mm -hmm. as Tubelis and Balo are, I feel like that guy for this team is Kirk Creasa because yeah. for better or worse, he's fearless. A little crazy, but fearless. Yes. I think that, that that Arizona might go as far as Kirk Creasa takes them in that regard. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, man, that's a great call again, because I was going to say in March, what you want, you can't be too nice. <laughs> and there's some of that with some of the cats I sense. Kirk Kreese is the difference maker in that regard. And you're right. You're going to have to live with some. And look, during the season, you live with some antics. And, you know, there's no question that Dante's dunk had intent because of who was there, whose chest he was planting his knee into. Um, okay. In March, that's a good thing, though. Because in March, that's what you're going to want. And when you play, and look, the likelihood is, if the cats play long enough in March, you're going to play somebody that's physically bigger and stronger. That's one of the things I hear all the time from officials who work other conferences. Even they'll say, you know, these guys, you know, we're we're a little bit of an understrengthed conference. Even if we're taller, it's that it's this thing. And when you when you have that, 
you better have somebody that plays above their size, and that's Creason. That's Creason. So I'm with you. And look, we we know you see it all the time. Um, he shoots a lot. He's being given that shot a lot because of the high-low focus of the other schools. When he makes them, it's fabulous. And if he makes, if he gets into a game in a big setting in the 16s, let's say, of March madness, and he hits a couple of threes in the first four minutes of the game, that's when I would feel good as a Cat fan because he's going to swell in a good way Mm -hmm. and he's going to carry himself with exactly what you talked about, Shane. He's going to carry himself with that little blank you attitude that is good, that you want to have in that moment. (laughs) Yeah, uh, and and he's going to keep taking shots whether you like it or not. So hopefully he makes some early. Hopefully he'll make make some late. Yeah. L- last question for you, Ted. Uh, you sort of alluded to this earlier, but play a game of would you rather with me? Would you rather be a one seed out in a in a region other than the West, like Arizona did last year when they played Houston, or would you rather maybe be a two or three but get to stay out West for the entire tournament or for yeah. the until the Final Four? I mean, I think it's I think. It's changed a little bit in recent years because you don't have to they'll they'll reassign you, right? Even if you get sent to some crazy site across the country the first weekend, the second weekend, they'll bring you back. Yeah. Closer. It didn't used to be that way. Yeah. And I remember years when I did the tournament, uh I did a lot of years of the tournament, but in let's say the nineties into the aughts, Yukon was in Calhoun's good years. Yukon got sent out to the West because they were a one, but they got sent out as the fourth number one seed and they stayed. So they would bring, you know, they'd have to bring books and take exams by phone and et cetera. Cause if they won the first two, they were staying to go to the second weekend site. I think those days are gone. So I, I, it's not as important as to your question to me, if they're going to bring you back for the, and I don't know the sites this year, I haven't looked, but wherever the second weekend is in the West. Las Vegas this year. I'm sorry. Las Vegas. I'm sorry. I think it's Las Vegas this year, right? It's Vegas. Okay. Yeah. So as long as you know you're coming back to Vegas, if, as if I survived my first two games, and I'm not as I'm not as worried about that. Um, some of this gets into personal habits. Certain coaches don't like to travel. Jim Beheim is renowned in college basketball. Does not just doesn't like traveling. So if you're have that mindset, and I had Beheim once or twice coming out west and. It was not not good for Syracuse because he's just miserable. And Shashevsky and every, you know, that's what that's one of the um, uh, what's the word one of the one of the challenges I think we've always fought out here is Beheim never had to. I mean, my coach K every year every year played the tournament in Greensboro, right? Charlotte, you know, you know, mine. Where would you have? I mean, where else in North Carolina would you have venues? I mean, Raleigh. I mean, he played every year. He never had to travel. He had to travel once he gets to the final four, but my gosh, it was just, and, and you watching our teams. And of course it's, it's been, it's been Arizona, Gonzaga. And now again, UCLA jostling for those rare top spots from the West. And let's say only two of them can stay West. One's going back, which one's going. And that to me is out of whack because it never happens back in the other part of the country. All right, Ted, before we let you go, I have to ask you about football. Now, you said Jetfish still likes you, which is a good thing. Just the improvement, <laughs> though, that you saw from Arizona last season compared to what you saw from them in 21, which was a oh, debacle, gosh. let's say. Just no. your thoughts on, on just the growth of this program and what you expect I, from them going forward. I do have the good fortune of knowing, getting to know Bobby Robbins through the years, and I've told him, 
a bunch over the years, as recently as I think last weekend at one point, I said, you know, just you made two great hires between Tommy and Jed Fish. Jed Fish is a great hire. It's a home run hit. Yeah. Um, you know, and and it's in it's not just one loss record because that's still on the track up, but it's it's just it's 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 vibe. It's exactly what Colorado just did with Dion is what mm-hmm. Jed did. You took a program that was on the table flatlining. And you put the paddles on the chest. That's what Jed did. And I give him tons of credit for that. So it's all of the aura that he's built around Arizona football. It's exactly what Dion is being hired to do at Colorado. Now, of course, the other elements win. And it got better. And we all saw it this year. Offense, terrific. Defense, Jed's the first guy to do it. Defense. And so it's got, it has to get better. Um, it's, it's hard because you still saw and i tell this story we uh last saturday the last saturday of football season i was doing the utah colorado game mm-hmm. uh, which was utah blows out colorado it was a horrible game i fly home to california i get home in time to get in my house and i put on the washington washington state game and it's the fourth start of the fourth quarter and michael Penix ends up and they get 700 yards of offense Washington does against Washington State, which was a fairly good defense by our conference standards this year. So my point is offense really, really, really is dominating. And to me, this is where the Jed thing will be interesting because one school in our league did really, really well this past year playing retro football. Yep. Run the ball, defense, Oregon State. They won 10 games with it. They won 10 games, quite bluntly, quarterback play that was probably Not very good. 11th best, yeah, 10th or 11th best in the conference, and they won 10 games by doing it that way because they went against they went against the flow. So I, Jed's not going to do that. I know you know you guys know that too. It's mm-hmm. not how he's wired, but he's going to have to get a good enough defense that you can slow teams down. You're not going to. He's not going to have a defense that's going to s- smother people, but just slow them down so that I can win 38 to 28 instead of lose 45 to 41 if you know what i'm saying that's the that's the step to me that i would hope to see for arizona football coming up in 23 because oh. delora and that offense are really good really oh they good. oh I'm, I'm already excited football season can't get here soon enough and i know people don't want to hear that since we're in the midst of basketball season but i am super excited we just want to make a bowl game ted i mean we haven't seen that and <laughs> in a long time. So the progress from where we were winning no games for what, 20 something in a row to now we're talking bowl legitimately. It's exciting, but thank you so much for joining Shane and I always great to catch up with you. Great insight. And one of the great voices of our generation, 25 years. Now I'm feeling old. Holy crap. Thanks again, Ted. Good to chat with you. Nice to be with you guys too. I hope I see you soon in Tucson. If you're looking to add value to your sports cards, you've got to check out DTSportsCards.com. They're an authorized dealer for PSA, which means you'll get great prices on your submissions if you go through them. And for just $2 a card, DT Sports Cards will take a close look at each card you submit and let you know whether it's worth grading. I just submitted some high-end hockey cards. They took a very close look, said they're good to go, and they all earned a PSA 10 grade, which tripled the value of each card. DT Sports Cards is located right here in Arizona. They provide quick, personalized service through email or direct messages. Find them online at dtsportscards.com and check them out on Instagram at dt underscore sports cards. You know, great talking to Ted Robinson, but he told Shane and I a very interesting story off the air, and I thought it was great, and I just want to share it here. 
He said, did you know that old Big East coaches voted former Suns coach John McLeod, who ended up being, believe it, Notre Dame for a while. Yep. They, vote, they voted him coach of, the, uh, coach of the year in the conference twice. Why did they do that? Because they wanted to make sure that he was retained at Notre Dame. This was according to Ted. Great they story. Play, they wanted to keep playing against him. So Tommy Lloyd. Uh, Bobby Hurley should be coach of the year. I think he's done a great job. <laughs> uh, his teams uh, are very, very intelligent, always. Um, well, he, th- Eric, he, Eric, he's he's no Wayne Tinkle, but well, I mean, is? Wayne Tinkle should should all timer, but poor Wayne's got a really bad team. I mean, they yeah, stink. I mean, they really. But Bobby Hurley, I mean, Shane, what he's done, uh, he does, he definitely. To hear what Ted said about. You know, Hurley there. It's it, it's interesting stuff that. Well, and, and yeah, and and I I really I it was your idea to bring Ted on, and he was willing to join us. We appreciate it. He's a great interview. I love talking with him, not just because he agreed with me on a lot of stuff, uh, because he's got a great. He loves basketball. He loves calling the games. He loves the calling the basketball games and the football games, and that energy just comes through. And so, uh, would love to have him back on again. But yeah. Great pick. And then, yeah, Bobby Hurley for coach of the year. It, it, in all seriousness, though, I, I it's crazy how his teams continue to fade. You know, they get their hopes up and everything seems to be clicking. And then the wheels come off that program almost yep. every year with him. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. It is always something. And you know what, Shane, I'm not really going to object to it. I, it's actually kind of fun to watch. Uh, all right. This segment is presented by our friends at DT Sports Cards. As you can see, that pretty cool logo behind me. Shane, tell us about what's coming up with DT Sports Cards and their next card show. Well, so I'll be there as a seller for the first time. I was going to be there at the the card show in January, but that card show didn't happen. Um, Got pushed back to February 25th. It will be from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. February 25th, which is a Saturday at 944 East Chandler Boulevard in Chandler. Come check it out. I'll have some cards to sell. And I'm going to, you're, I know you're going to mention this as well, but uh, the, the toast and taste event we are going to be hosting or emceeing on February uh, 17th. I know you're going to have more details on that in just a second, but I want to show for those who are watching uh, on the stream here, some of the giveaways we're going to have. We have yeah, a card a here. I don't even cur- know. Courtesy of, if you can see it here, of DT Sports Cards. It's a quad patch of, uh, it's got Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Stanley Johnson, uh, Kevin Newman and Scott Kingery out nice. of 99 National Very Treasures. Cool. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be a raffle item. If you uh, sign up, if you get a ticket to the event, you'll be entered to win that. You'll also have a chance at a couple of ice shaker bottles, U of A theme ice shaker bottles. I'm not going to take them out of the case because they're, they're they look real pretty. We have, you know, yeah, I want I want you to have the full ex- experience to open it up. But they are U of A logoed ice shakers, and then I also will we will raffle off a couple of books, Richard versus Graham by some no-name local author. So uh, name Shane Dale. Just couple, yeah, I know. Yeah. A couple books, a couple ice shakers, DT sports cards is uh, is uh, been gracious enough to donate a uh, card for the raffle auction as well. So come check that out. Uh, fill us in. Tell us the details on that one, Eric. Yeah, so last chance to buy your tickets to the uh, Toast and Taste event with Rocky LaRose is this Friday. Uh, you can go to alumni.arizona.edu backslash events and get your tickets there. Shane and I will be hosting very... Very excited to uh, be able to do that and get a chance to talk to Rocky. And you and I actually get to be on stage, which as long as we've done this podcast, we have only met in person maybe three or four times uh, in those two and a half years. So it'll be nice to actually do a live show with you, believe it or not. Last time I saw you was the uh, the, the Territorial Cup game and the four four most stressful hours of our lives. That uh, That was not my favorite game of the year. I know some people voted it as theirs, not mine. 
But uh, very much looking forward to the Toast and Taste event, and we hope to see you there. It this uh, All the money supports Arizona scholarships, uh, and we want to get the brightest down to U of A, and this is the way to do it. So check that out, uh, alumni.arizona.edu, to be able to buy those tickets before this Friday. All right, Shane, let's make a couple of predictions. First of all, the Super Bowl. Uh, make a pick on the game. Now, the Eagles are, are a one-and-a-half-point favorite. We have never picked the NFL on this program, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, but the game is here in Glendale. Uh, give me a score prediction on this one. Oh, Cardinals aren't in it. Bills aren't in it. I don't really care. All right, I'll okay. give you a score. I'll give you a score prediction. Uh, I'm I'm thinking. I, I feel like the Chiefs have have been a charmed franchise this year. That they, they they keep finding finding ways to escape uh, difficult situations. You know that even in the regular season, they beat a lot of, they won close games against some bad teams. I think the Eagles have been a little more dominant wire to wire. I know the chiefs have been there before, but uh, I think the Eagles are a little more well-rounded team. And I think that the the chiefs might actually miss the playmaking of Tyreek Hill in this game a little bit. So uh, I'll, I'll go the Eagles by a field goal, say 27, 24. That's a great pick. I was actually kind of leaning something similar myself. Uh, I have the Eagles at like 30. No, I'm, I was going to say a little bit lower scoring. I'm going to say 27 20. Um, okay. I think the Eagles defense is a lot better than I gave them credit for. Uh, I thought the 49ers would would uh, give them a game. And they, I mean, Brock Purdy got hurt, but they they didn't. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think they hold Mahomes somewhat in check and find a way to win. I actually got will be there. Uh, shocking. I've never been to a Super Bowl. Number one on my bucket list for generic sporting events. So I'm really excited to uh, to do that and uh, and check that all out. But I think we're going to be seeing the Eagles win their second title in, I think it's five or six years. Unfortunately, this time, though, there will likely not be a Super Bowl MVP from the University of Arizona as there was the last time. Well, and hopefully, for your sake, the game is half as good as the last game you went to at that stadium, the uh, college football playoff uh, semifinal game. It, it was, yeah. Now, by the way, I was at, I was at, this will be the fourth game in this in this year of football. I was at the Cardinals-Saints game, which is the only game the Cardinals actually won at home this year. I was at the Cardinals Bucks game, which was Tom Brady's one of his last regular season games, which was dreadful, but went to overtime. Mm. And then the uh, the TCU Michigan game, and then obviously this one. So you hopefully... see, someone someone noted that whoever wins the Super Bowl will have more wins at that stadium than the Cardinals did this past year. And there's a reason Cliff Kingsbury is not still employed. Mm -hmm. uh, if U of A needs an offensive coordinator next year, uh, you know I'm just, they could just do worse. Kidding. All right, let's give a couple of picks for the uh, the college basketball games this week. So the men's team is on the road at Cal, who's one of the worst teams in the country. And then at Stanford, who's been pretty good, minus a pretty dud of a Sunday effort against Colorado. And then the women's team in focus nationally Thursday night on ESPN against Stanford. And then they take on Cal as well. How many games combined will the Arizona schools win, Shane? I predicted three and one last week, and I was off by one. I hope or I'm Arizona. off by one. Yeah, and I hope I'm off again uh, this week because I'm going to say three and one again. I think yeah. the men take care of business against Cal and Stanford. Stanford, I concerned me a little bit, but then Colorado whooped them. I think the the Cardinal coming back down to earth. I think Stanford's going to make that a closer, uh, like kind of low scoring, grinded out kind of game that may, might make a sweat a little bit. But I think Arizona win. The men's team wins both. I think the women. The, I might pick the women to beat Stanford, except Stanford just lost to Washington a couple of days ago, and I think the the, the Stanford ladies are going to be focused and ready to go for this game and plus like i said for whatever reason the women just aren't as dominant in mikhail as the men are so i think arizona makes it a close game but stanford probably wins uh but i i think the wildcats come back and they beat cal too so i i think i think we're looking at another three or my prediction is another three in one week hopefully i'll be wrong and it'll be another four no week 
I hate to agree with you, Shane, but I'm going to say three and one as well. I just don't know that they're ready to beat Stanford yet. Uh, they don't yeah. have that leading that that really dominant score as uh, as you and I had discussed earlier in the program. So I believe that they it's going to be a close game against Stanford. I think they fall, come back and beat Cal uh, this weekend, and then I think the Wildcats demolish Cal on Thursday night, uh, late game. You won't need to stay up to watch the end of that one unless you want to watch the uh, the bench players because it's going to get ugly. I think the game against Stanford is going to be tricky, but I think the Wildcats win that game by close to double digits. So uh, three and one weekend, and we will celebrate. And uh, listen, if they go 4-0, then we can really start talking about the women's basketball team in March. I'll just say that. I mean, Absolutely. show me something on Thursday night. I want to thank Ted Robinson for joining us. Great to catch up with him once again. For Shane Dale, I'm Eric Cohen. Thanks, as always, for listening. And, as always, bear down. <laughs>